Hey, Quackies, just got a quick couple notes before we start the show. That is Transfer Portal News. Since we recorded this episode, Britton Allen, the safety from USC, three-star, transferred over to Utah, as did Landon King, who we talked about in the episode, tight end, actually comes over from Auburn and joins the Utes and the Pac-12 Conference, the Conference of Champions. All right, on to the show. Welcome to the Quack 12 Podcast, the most official, unofficial, Oregon Ducks podcast on the web footosphere. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Quack 12 Podcast or visit our website, quack12podcast.com. If you like what you hear, please leave us five stars on your listening device. And if you'd like to support the show, please visit the Quack 12 Patreon page, where for a measly $5 a month, you can become an official quacky and unlock hundreds of hours of Oregon Duck content. On to the show. Quack, quack. Quack, quack, quack. Y'all, we got a big one. We, we, we're talking about a fan base here that whenever we do anything about them, this is the one that really rolls up. You know, they're, I, they got a big presence online and overall i think that's a good thing because there's too much damn apathy in this conference so i'm glad if some someone you know feels anything about a pac-12 team is always a good sign it's not like when you cover stanford and you're not sure if a tree fell in the woods or not (laughs) we're talking about utah baby utah's got passionate fans uh they got passionate haters Once they started winning the conference, literally half of California picked up and left us. That's how, I don't know, important they are to this thing. Utah Utes, always fun to talk about. So, of course, we brought on Hithliday of Addicted to Quack to help us break down this roster. How you doing, Hithliday? I'm well. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Uh, editing these bad boys. It's I need to hear these names like two, three, four times to really get them to stick in my head whatsoever. So it does help. And uh, what really will help us out today is we got one of our favorite guests from one of our favorite podcasts. That is right. No Truck Stops Podcast, baby. If you're not listening to it, you really should be. Um, they don't love Oregon, but it's it's good to get differing opinions sometimes, you know? I, I'm an uh, Oregon defender over there. It's true. No, I as a <laughs> listener, I do know that there will be some some real uh you know, like bad faith arguments against Oregon because they're tired of, you know, the the decade of Oregon domination. And so they'll be really shitting on it maybe a little bit too much. And then Greg's the one that's like, oh, have you seen their O-line? It's pretty good. <laughs> it is funny. You're often more of an Oregon defender than MF Reed is. Like, <laughs> yeah. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Reed knows that if he defends Oregon, mm-hmm. <laughs> no one will take him seriously because he's an Oregon fan. Whereas despite the fact that they won't take me seriously either, when I defend Oregon because it's just funnier <laughs> to make fun of Oregon. Uh, <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> I will still defend Oregon because I don't know when to quit. Mm. <laughs> I love uh, from on the uh, official uh, No Truck Stops pod uh, Twitter, at No Truck Stops pod, they'll, every once in a while there will be a little bit of a pro-Oregon tweet. And then you'll get other members of your podcast being like, what the fuck? MF retweeted this. Do not regard this tweet. I love it. Of course, we're talking to Greg of No Truck Stops Pod. You can follow him on Twitter at Bananamorphs, of course. Greg, how are you doing, man? I'm doing really good. Uh, I'm, I'm excited to talk about 
uh, Utah football. Uh, it's been it's been a while since I've thought about it, so it's it's nice <laughs> to use this as an excuse to like I don't know reengage with uh, with the team as we prepare for the upcoming season. Oh well, yeah, I mean it's only like three and a half months away, so it's time to really tune in. <laughs> <laughs> no, absolutely. Uh, we're so excited to have you back on. You guys are always really fun, and, and listeners really go give that podcast a listen because it's uh, it's very funny, it's very infuriating, it's very occasionally off topic. If you like the Quack Twelve, you're probably gonna like that podcast. Uh, but no further ado, Hithla Day. Let's start walking through this roster. Well, Greg, I guess I you know. I understand why maybe it hasn't been uh, you know, something that's occupying a lot of your thoughts, the Utah football roster, because if you're already familiar with it, there aren't a lot of changes. Mm-hmm. You know, for a team that is now the two-time defending Pac-12 champs, you know, most teams in that position, you know, this is about the time when like, okay, they got to that point because they had a bunch of upperclassmen and this is the point where they all would be leaving. Um not really. Uh, you know, there are a couple of prominent departures, you know, uh, Dalton Kincaid and, and Clark Phillips. They actually are losing quite a bit in the in the defensive back room and a couple of linebackers, although I kind of don't really think much about those departures. Mm-hmm. The, but like, oh, my gosh, you know, everybody in the quarterback room, everybody or almost everybody in the running back room, you know, everybody, almost all the tight ends, almost all the wide receivers, not like the wide receivers do much in this offense. You know, most of the offensive line, most of the defensive line, uh, you know, most of the productive linebackers, or at least they're getting tackles uh, anyway, you know, uh, it's like it's almost exactly the heck you know they get one of their most productive defensive backs uh, from a couple of years goes back from an lds mission you know like yeah. you know he's a new face but he's not really that new and he you know proved himself back in uh, as a true freshman so it's like kind of the same team that we've been watching for the last couple of years you know you don't really need to expend that much brain power keeping track of of you know what this team is going to be which is a really kind of unusual thing to say about a two-time defending conference champ right yeah i mean it is it's it's a weird spot that utah's in because on the one hand like you said they're not losing a ton they and they've won the conference two years in a row so you'd expect with them not losing a ton they'd go into this season as kind of favorites but i don't think any of us myself included are thinking of them in that way this is a team that I expect to be good, but it's not a team I expect to win the conference, maybe like I did last year and to a lesser extent the year before. Uh, it's it's a really unique and weird spot. I think it feels like a rebuild despite the fact that the roster's the same, and it's, it's kind of confusing. Well, it's interesting because... I mean, I I think I understand why, uh, and I sort of feel the same way, which is like there's there is a sense to of hmm, there is a sense of this roster kind of having plateaued. I guess I would put it that way, and that I do think that you know finally at long last, um, I'd sort of been waiting for a long time for this to happen and wondering if it ever would. Um, that Whittingham has been like actually converting all of this success that he's been enjoying the last couple of years into recruiting some blue chips. Yeah. That for a long time, this program seemed pretty content to just be playing a bunch of like 
26 year olds with mortgages and driving <laughs> around Toyota Tercels with Tom Waits <laughs> CDs, you know, jammed in the CD player. That's all that the, the program was ever going to be. And they were going to be like a tough out every single game. And that if, you know, the other programs in the Pac-12 sort of slipped up, they'd be right there to smash you. And, you know, gosh, we sure saw that a lot because mm-hmm. um, like there's nothing that Pac-12 teams like to do more than <laughs> slip up. Um, but like any of those teams ever get their stuff together that like, you know, Utah's sort of not in a position to, to, to just out talent them um, because, you know, Mm -hmm. that, that talent's not there. And I sort of don't think for 2023, it is because they're all still sort of freshmen. They haven't got on campus yet. Like I sort of think that's a 2024 thing. Um, more than a 2023 thing, although we might see glimmers of it, like, you know, in 2023, we'll, we'll sort of get to that, you know, when we start breaking that in individual position groups. But I think I know what you're saying in terms of like, we haven't really seen these guys sort of come online yet. And that this year might see, seem more like that, you know, the last hurrah of old Utah before, maybe new shiny Utah that yeah. was, you know, it comes online starting next year. Is that sort of, do you sort of feel the same way? No. Yeah. I, I, I totally actually agree. heard it was pretty hard to come online in Utah these days. I'm editing <laughs> this out. Don't worry. <laughs> oh boy. I had to make that joke. Okay. That was wow, so Adam. I don't know. I you like... should edit that one out. That's like no, the cleverest thing I've ever heard you say. That was really right. funny. We'll see. Uh, anyway, um, oh, what were we talking about? Right. Um, I I think that's a great way of thinking about it because this was the best recruiting class Utah's had by a decently wide margin. And what's funny is like. It felt like it could have been a little better. Like there was one or two misses that I think a lot of Utah fans thought we were going to hit on uh, that we didn't get. Like the uh, the tight end who ended up going to USC. Mm-hmm. He's a mission kid, so it'll be two years till he plays anyway. But uh, that's a four star Utah thought. I think once he de- decommitted from Stanford, Utah thought he was coming. Um, but regardless, incredible class. I think two offensive tackles in the top 12 which is just an insane like hard for me to wrap my head around uh as a fan that's just not something i'm used to seeing and this is this 2020 uh this 2023 utah team is not uh it 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 does feel more like old utah like you said it just feels like there are more guys who just sort of popped up as i don't know like three stars who were developed they've been mm-hmm. in the they've been in the room for a long time they've just they've become part of it uh, but this is going to be probably the last year that Brant Keith is going to be gone after this year Cam Rising is going to be gone yeah, after long this last year. man like the Britton Covey the tight end room man I mean yeah. that dude was <laughs> playing and not as a freshman in the 2019 yeah you know title uh-huh. run. like how is this guy still on the team man <laughs> well there's COVID and then a torn yeah, ACL right. so <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, he's still there, but it, it feels it feels really weird. I I feel I I just don't know how to feel going into this season as a fan. Like what I'm hoping for. I mean, honestly, I, I 
I think the scenario for this team to three-peat is exactly the same way that they, you know, yeah. won the last two, which is, uh, you know, I, this is going to sound a little condescending. I, I promise I don't mean it that way, but basically, you know, the teams that are more talented than they are, which, you know, let's face it, they're, you know, that's mm-hmm. several teams in the conference. You know, that's not, I don't think anybody's trying to hide from that fact. Uh you know, basically like kill each other or screw, screw up or otherwise build like incomplete teams Mm -hmm. like the Trojans. You know, I just finished like putting the final touches on like constructing what their roster looks like. So they're like prominent in my mind where it's like, that's not a solid gold statue. That is a hollow wooden statue with a coat of gold paint on it that if you threw it in the river, it would float, you know, like Mm -hmm. hmm, actually, you know what? A, a hollow wooden statue when talking about the Trojans seems like appropriate. <laughs> I didn't intend that, but uh, anyway, um, we are fucking on it today. This yeah, is right. such a fire podcast. <laughs> anyway, like, yeah, man, you know, uh, and, and like, and, and so I think like the scenario for Utah, th- you know, three peating is basically like, yeah, it's a solid program. It may not be a solid gold program, but is a solid bronze program. And, and it's a tough out. And, you know, when everybody else, screws up like they're right there to smash you and and like there's absolutely no reason to expect because this is the pac 12 that that won't happen again like uh so and since it's exactly the same guys or almost exactly the same guys like yeah it's not like they haven't done it before (laughs) i mean same staff same players why not like same system you know like yeah i mean why not i yeah it makes sense it makes sense uh from that perspective, and I think a lot of this is, I mean, a lot of the reason that I don't feel like Utah should be favorites is because as I look at everywhere else in the conference, everybody, and I think people are mostly wrong for this, everybody's expecting Washington to take a step forward. Hmm. Uh, I, I don't see where the step's really coming from with them. Uh, I Well, they'd have to improve think, on defense, and I don't know where the personnel is coming from for that to happen, but well, exactly for another day. Like, <laughs> I'm thinking they should be hoping for stagnation, which is still a good team. It's still a good sure. team. That offense is nasty. Oregon, I don't know what to think. Mm. I'm too close to it to give you a... Mm. Yeah, <laughs> new, new, new offensive coordinator who I think it was a good hire. I think it was a good hire. Bo Nix has transformed into a really great quarterback. Oregon should be really good. They, I think, probably one of my two favorites to win the conference. You got USC, goes without saying. You've got the best quarterback in the country. You've got Lincoln Riley coaching your offense. It's going to be tough to beat. UCLA, I don't think, is really going to be contending. But mostly what I saw with last year's Utah team is they struggled to keep up with Utah. I'm not with Utah. With Oregon, like the Oregon and the USC games in particular, what I saw there was against Oregon, Utah just couldn't do anything with Cam Rising at quarterback. Uh, I get that he was hurt, and that definitely limited him. But it, it, it taught me that... Utah needs to maybe make a change there if they're going to compete in this new era where they have to be more talented, like this new era as the Pac-12 is getting better. And against USC, it felt like Utah needed some things to go their way to beat them. I think USC's defense is going to be a little bit better this year with the addition they made, specifically that Georgia D-tackle transfer. No, I don't think he's going to work out at all. Oh, you don't? Really? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, well, I, I, I think there's a reason why Georgia didn't want him. That's, that's uh, anyway. Fair. That's fair. That I is... think they've added some other guys who may work out, but like, yeah. Anyway, I, 
I hope it doesn't work out because I, I don't <laughs> right. want USC to win. I mean, Alex. <laughs> I mean, ultimately, Alex Grinch is coaching the team, so of course, it's not going to work out. Like, what that's kidding, a great but... point that I need to. I need to get that into my brain more often. Uh, so yeah, I guess Utah could win it if things get <laughs> weird. But it's also to remember it is a brutal schedule for Utah next year. I mean, betting that's that is true. The schedule is, I think, a little less favorable. Um, you know, they they get Oregon at home. That's pretty much the only way that the schedule gets more favorable mm-hmm. than last year. Every other way, like I mean, the th- the thing that's sort of the one way that. The thing that is difficult for me to discuss about Utah, and I know, Greg, you and I have talked about this in the past, and we've been sort of on the same wavelength, is that, like, I'm just not a big fan of Andy Ludwig. Like, every time I watch his offense, I'm like, why can no team stop this offense? It is so transparent. Like, it telegraphs what it wants to do so easily. There is so little wide receiver talent. Or, at the very least, like, you know, who Cam Rising wants to throw to is so clear. Like, you really only need to cover, like, a couple of guys. Like, you know, the, the run game is predictable if you watch the film. Like, not that the run game is bad. Like, it, mm. it, it accomplishes what it wants to accomplish. But if you watch the film, you can tell where the play is going based on how they line up. So just put your guys right here on this lineup and this here on this lineup and here on this lineup. And so, you know, I'm just like tearing my hair out every time I watch Utah's offensive film, when they play any other team, it's like, how are you guys not stopping this? And then when they played Oregon, which like defensively was not a super team last year, like they finished yeah. at, like, rank like 60 in F plus. But then when I watched Oregon play them, like Oregon did all of the things that I was like screaming at my television set to do for every other team to do. And I was like, oh, good. The one game some team, you know, d- does what I've been yelling at them to do. Like it was cr- like all those tackles <laughs> for loss on one yeah. plays. You know, it was just like, yes, exactly. That's what you're supposed to do. Now, why didn't anybody else do that? Like, I don't understand. You know, so it was crazy. Like after that game. I got contacted by a bunch of, you know, I got DMs from a bunch of different, um, you know, writers from for, for different programs that were like, how did Oregon do it? How did Oregon do it? And like, I responded to all of them in the same way, which is like, they watched film, you dummies. Like, <laughs> like Andy, Lud- like, how did Andy Ludwig is not difficult to figure out? Like Notre Dame people were contacting me. They were like, it, you know, should, should we buy, you know, you know, well, pick up on Andy Ludwig. And I was <laughs> just tried. like, <laughs> I know, man, like, I don't understand how, how Notre Dame thought that this was a good idea. Like, I, well, I, yeah it's, in it's, Andy so, Ludwig's defense in Andy Ludwig's defense uh I see what you're saying about him and I think you're right uh, I think there is a definite ceiling with him but what he does is I think he makes a Kyle Whittingham offense as good as it gets you know like he mm. is as like Utah will score more they have scored more points under him than they have under any other offensive coordinator and I think Notre Dame, as a team with a defensive head coach that was just dog shit on offense, saw what we, what Utah looked like before Andy Ludwig, saw what Utah's looked like since he's come. And it's it's night and day, the difference in terms of the efficiency of the offense. Sure. And so I, I get why they want him. You know, it's not like the highest ceiling play you could go for, but I do think it's a fairly high floor. I mean... Sure. Like, I just think like, I I understand that if you look at the statistics, why he would look very valuable. But then if you watch the film, it's a it's a dog shit offense. Like, (laughs) 
Uh, and it's so easily stoppable. And the reason that gives me pause is just like, if it's okay, Hith, but if it's that easy, why doesn't it happen more often? Um, and sort of like the answer is it, 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 it kind of does, but they it happens in games where Rising gets hurt. Well, okay, but Rising gets hurt all the damn time because Ludwig doesn't have an answer on a whole lot of situations except to run Rising, in which uh, which are plays in which he gets hurt. So it's like, well, this is a tautology, you know. I don't like I I I don't have the answer, you know, for why more teams aren't able to effectively predict and stop this offense because when I watch it on film. I don't, I am not impressed with it like at all. I, I find it to be extremely predictable. Um, and yet statistically, like they just kill people. Here's another question. <laughs> we're never going to resolve this. So let me ask you a different question, which we're also not going to be able to resolve, but like, it's crazy. Like it's really jumps out once you um, finish charting it. Okay. It's a, it's a quarter by quarter analysis. This crazy anomaly. Okay. So first quarter. Utah's success rates in the first quarter are bad. They are only about 46% um, per play effective, in, you know, given the down and distance. Like, it's like they're not a good first quarter team. It's weird. Um, then, huge jump in the second quarter. They jumped to like 58% effectiveness, like, all, like giant, giant jump. Like, more than 12 percentage points in per play effectiveness is like enormous. Which, like, what the heck? They go from being, a, like, a terrible first quarter team to a fantastic second quarter team. So, like, okay. Uh, so then, and now it gets even weirder, though, Greg. It gets even weirder. In the first the first 10 games of the season in 2022, they get even better in the third quarter. They jump to 64% per play uh, effectiveness, which across an entire offense, 64% per play effectiveness is is like an insane number. Uh, like that's beyond championship caliber. That's like, you know, that that's, you know, win a national champion. That's like Miami to, to, you know, 2001. Like that's a, that's bonkers. But the last four games of the season, and like one of those games is against Colorado. So like it barely counts. Um, uh, and when I say barely counts, I mean that like that game was over so quickly that there was only no, yeah, like yeah, 10. Yeah, yeah. I mean, cause I exclude garbage time. So it's like mm. only 10 plays, you know, go into the <laughs> hopper. Right. Um, but the last four games of the season, that's the effect that disappears. The, the, their third quarter effectiveness they don't go to nuclear hot they collapse mm -hmm. back down to first quarter terrible effect in this level and that's why they lose all those games is they don't like they they the rather than being nuclear hot in the third quarter they go back down to being terrible first quarter effectiveness it's basically the third quarter collapse and i understand you know a rising gets you know hurt uh, but it's not the entirety of the explanation because it's also the run game that collapses as well so, you know, that's the, the you know, end, end of rant. Uh, they, they go from, you know, uh, bad in the first quarter to terrific in the second quarter to nuclear hot in the third quarter for the first 10 games, but then, you know, bad again in the third quarter for the last four games. What the heck, Greg? What's up <laughs> with that? Do you have any explanation for why that should be? Um, My initial instinct and the only thing I can think of for why this would be is in the first quarter, you talk like, like first quarter is when plays are scripted, right? Sure. 
And so Cam Rising is not going off script, making things happen on his own quite so much. Uh, and I think we've mm-hmm. talked about this before with Ludwig's offenses. Like in 2019, Tyler Huntley made that offense. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, like him going off script, him doing things on third down yep. uh, made that offense work. I think Cam Rising has done a little bit of the same for mm-hmm. uh, Ludwig by going off script. In the first quarter, you don't do that quite so much, maybe. Uh, And this is just purely me making guesswork. Uh, However, when you get to the second quarter, he starts to do that. The offense gets better. Mm -hmm. And teams, I maybe just for some reason, aren't expecting it quite so much. Uh, Also, I do think that helps the run game just as teams become more afraid of rising, keeping the ball. In the third quarter, I've got no idea why it goes nuclear then. No idea. I remember in games it happening, (laughs) but I just cannot imagine an explanation for why that happens, except that, like, just, no, I I can't think of any. (laughs) Uh, Greg, you're you're thinking that uh, Andy Ludwig scripted plays are a bad idea, and Cam Rising going off script is a great idea. Uh, yeah, yes. that was exactly my theory. Uh, that was uh, and Tyler Huntley. Yeah, before him. Yeah, uh, that was exactly you know my theory too. Yeah, man. All right, that, that's enough dumping on on Andy Ludwig. Let's uh, <laughs> let's talk about some of this personnel. Oh, actually, there is one other observation that I wanted to make, sort of globally, which is about uh, like uh, down and distance stuff, which is you know a really interesting observation about the offense, which is their third and medium pass success rate is uh, uh, 73%, which is bonkers. Like if uh, Utah is at like third and five, I mean, their success rate at other points are, is like is good, but like you expect mm-hmm. it to be. So like third and short, they run the ball really well. Well, of course they do. You know, or, or third and short, they pass the ball really well. Well, of course they've got tight ends to mm-hmm. throw to. You know, like or, or second and short, they run the ball at like ninety percent effectiveness. Well, you know, of course they've got great running backs and they just sort of lean forward. You know, or they just have Cam Rising do it. You know, like yeah, all of that is sort of you know expected. You know, uh, the none their their numbers on down and distance scenarios are, are not outliers given the 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 other inputs that they have for their global you know success rates of the run in the past the one that's like kind of really stands out is third medium passes man like you which is like a team that passes the ball effectively on third medium is like you can't get them off the field. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that that team is, you hate defending teams like that because it's like, oh man, I did a really good job on first and second down. You know, like I got them into, like, all right, this is the money down. Like, oh, they just threw the ball to the undefendable tight end. And I couldn't yeah. get off the field, <laughs> you know, and like that, but, but the games that they lose, that's why they lose them is third and medium, you know, Oregon, Penn State, you know, the, the 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 games that they lose, you know, that's what happens is that the ball gets knocked down on third and medium. Like that's the that's the differentiator between their wins and losses mm-hmm. is 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 that exact, you know, it, it comes down to that and only that, you know, is like they either make that connection with, you know, basically Kincaid or Valet. That was it. Um mm-hmm. Uh, or they didn't, uh, and you know, they would have to punt and, and th- that was it. It was like a, it was a binary thing, you know, they did, uh, and they would win games or they didn't and they would lose games and that was it, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I think the, well, at least for me, the explanation for this is pretty simple. Cam rising likes to run on downs like that. Mm. And so if he's not running, chances are 
he's got an open guy. Furthermore, Dalton Kincaid caught everything that was thrown at him. Oh, it was crazy. <laughs> like that, especially that that first USC game. 16 where, or 16, like, I'll never get over. I was just, yeah, bonkers. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he, he was insane. And so um, if it was thrown at him, he was catching it. When Rising got hurt, I'm sure that affected the success rate on those downs. And also Kincaid was hurt late in the season. And against Penn State, they just didn't have him. Yeah. I I feel like that's the explanation for for why the third and five success rate was so absurdly good. It's just the way Utah plays. And when you have a guy like Kincaid, who's a first-round pick, that is a very, very hard down to defend. But it's sort of it, it does kind of go back, you know, while we're still zoomed out, uh, we're, we're going to get to the nitty gritty here in a, in a moment. But while we're still zoomed out, that sort of thing goes back to the, you know, the great November question and, and the sort of the old Utah and new Utah thing that we were talking about mm-hmm. is like Utah is frequently in a position where they're wholly dependent on one guy, you know, and that guy gets hurt and like, oops. Well, there it goes, you know, because like their their depth isn't really there. Like they're the you know, it's so many like three stars or hell, like Kincaid wouldn't even a three star, right? You know, it was an yeah. unranked D two transfer. I think it's like, oops, that guy's not there. We don't have anybody else to throw to. Or Vele was you know unranked. I mean, that's crazy. Like the two guys they were throwing to were both unrated out of high school. Isn't that nuts? You know, like, <laughs> but th- that's like that's how Utah rolled, or like that's how old Utah rolled anyway. Yeah. Like we're making these predictions that new Utah is coming down the pike here. But like, you know, what happens, you know, like, you know, it's not like they've got like, you know, or at least the 2022 version and probably not the 2023 version, although we'll take a look. (laughs) What what happens if a dude's down is that like, it's not a USC situation where it's like, well, we got like five more where that guy came from. You know, what happens is they lose the game. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's, you know, that's, that's the depth situation or that's the November problem, you know, to, I'm sorry if that's like a painful thing to bring up with you, Greg. No, like, November problem stopped being a problem for me in 2021. I uh, see. I see. Now it's the December problem or January uh, I mean, problem. The, the December's have been really good these last two years. All right. All right. Uh, yeah. But, um, yeah, January. Uh, the depth has been rough in the two Rose Bowls we've played. But you know what yeah. I'm talking about. You know, I it's like know they, exactly they only they're about. absolutely yeah. dependent on one guy. If he gets hurt, they don't got like you know mm-hmm. five more where that guy came from. They, and I they're think dependent on one guy. It is especially an issue as it regards to pass catchers. Mm-hmm. I guess quarterback too. But I mean, I'm not gonna call out utah specifically for that yeah right i mean that's teams. true of all quarterbacks yeah. <laughs> but, but you're right like yeah really we you know pass catchers you're, you're right i mean it's not yeah you're right it that's a universal problem with quarterbacks and it's not true of running backs i mean jesus this running back room is huge like, oh man i we'll get to that i assume but oh, i sure. I love this running back room, but I mean, you could also say it of their on defense. You could say it of their linebackers and you could say it of their um, defensive backs. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But with the pass catchers, that is something that I'm expecting to be the biggest shakeup as it regards to New Utah. I think when we talk about the receivers, we'll talk about it more, but I've never seen Utah go this hard in the portal for receivers. Um, yeah, it is. It is. It's disorienting. Like guys got kind of pushed out this offseason, multiple yeah. guys. Because Utah's looking to upgrade at that spot. Utah's going after a lot. Whittingham even mentioned they might bring in, and I think this was an overstatement. I'd be shocked if they did, but they might bring in six receivers from the portal. 
Yeah, I think they still wow. have. I think they still have some some spots to give. Like I, I mm-hmm. think no, they it, do. I I'm not entirely positive because it's kind of hard to count with Utah, but I've got 80 on my scholarship count right now. Although they may have a couple of spots given to special teamers, but I think they still have a couple of spots left. Um, so we'll have to keep an eye on that. All right, let's start talking about specific guys. Quarterback. Yeah. Cam Rising, you know, as we have been talking about, you know, gets hurt periodically. Uh, unfortunately, I, I, I kind of think, you know, this is awful to say. I, I certainly don't relish it or anything, but I think sort of I blame Andy Ludwig. He's an awful man um, and uh, <laughs> he and he doesn't have an I'm, I'm being only slightly dramatic here. I don't think Andy Ludwig has an offense without a quarterback who bails him out and having to have a quarterback bailing him out constantly puts the quarterback under stress and the, the mm-hmm. result is injuries. And so I don't think I need to spend a lot of time talking about how great Cam rising and it's i think everybody knows that so instead i'm going to talk about what happens if he gets hurt bryson barnes has been the guy who's come in i actually kind of like bryson barnes like i think why why do you like bryson Barnes? well okay i'll tell you why (laughs) i think if this were remember like 10 years ago when every sec team that won the national championship did so with like game manager quarterbacks like get greg mcelroy i think if bryson barnes hopped in a time machine and went to play with like alabama or something like that that he would have won a national championship because I think that he's like Greg, the second coming of Greg McElroy. But the thing was on those Alabama, et cetera, type teams that like that was because everybody around him was super talented and all he needed to do was distribute the ball and not screw up. I think Bryson Ball's pretty Bryson Burton's pretty good at distributing the ball and not screwing up to, you know, uh, but like he doesn't have Alabama around him. Um, You know, in Utah's roster, you know, you need something more. And so therefore, you know, my question is, hey, is Nate Johnson that dude? So it's been a weird spring ball that one that has surprised me a lot. It seems like we will be free of the pig farmer, um, mm-hmm. Bryson Barnes. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't I don't expect him to play a lot uh, because say Cam Rising, last year. Yes, but I don't think he'll be the backup this year. Um, let's say Cam Rising is not ready week one you know, coming off the ACL tear or yeah, he gets hurt at some point in the season, all, you know, very, very likely scenarios. Knock um, on wood. Nobody's. Yeah. I hope it doesn't happen. For the guy, I hope it doesn't happen. But um, I mean, you say, would be nuts not to say it. There's a good chance that it happens. Yeah. But I feel like yeah. literally every year. But I'm yeah. So if that happens, when it happens, uh, Brandon Rose right now, is the backup really uh, he's the number two from the same class as Nate Johnson? But apparently, like he has significantly lower rated. He, he is significantly lower rated, very different style of player as well. Apparently, he has the best arm of all of them. Apparently, really? it also took him a long time to get up to speed just in terms of like transitioning from high school to uh the college level, which mm-hmm. I guess makes sense because I think he was playing at a lower level than Nate Johnson was in high school, too. Oh, um. Something that is important to keep in mind is Nate Johnson was hurt for a lot of camp, uh, spring camp, I should say. And so he did not get nearly as many reps. So this might change again in fall camp, but it seems like Brandon Rose separated himself at the very least from Bryson Barnes pretty significantly. I think they really like his arm, uh, which I like to hear. I don't think he's much of an athlete, but Bryson Barnes isn't much of an athlete either. So like, hmm, Hmm. as long as he can move a little bit, I'll be happy. (laughs) Um, 
as long as he can do more than Charlie Brewer did. So it seems like Utah should be in a better position than they have been the last few years without I mean, rising. That being said, <laughs> if Nate Johnson's not that guy, I'm worried because I do think Brandon Rose, you know, he was lower rated for a reason. Uh huh. Even if he's a little better than what that rating was, even if, you know, it turns out Utah found. I mean, as his ability as a pocket passer. Yeah, yeah. Like, I think he's a good pocket passer. I don't know if he's more than that, and I think you kind of need more than that in an Andy Ludwig offense. Well, yeah. I mean, per our earlier discussion, like, in my opinion, the 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 the, the the primary qualifying attribute of a quarterback in an Andy Ludwig offense is escaping the shackles of an Andy Ludwig offense. <laughs> uh, you know, so tell me how good Nate Johnson is at that. So, I mean, Nate Johnson would be the best at it. I mean, just in, I love him deeply. Uh, mm. He is, as I've said, I think last year, he is the most athletic quarterback in FBS in terms of speed. Like mm. he ran a faster hundred meter than any any quarterback in FBS who ran track and those are going to be the fastest quarterbacks, you know, uh, just absurd speed. Every time he gets the ball, he, he goes farther than you think he should. The problem is I don't know that Utah trusts him that much, which, uh, yeah. Cause it's not just about the speed or uh-huh. the, sh- the short area quickness or, or, you know, you know, just the pure athleticism. It's also about the decision-making the, yeah. you know, when to pull it, which way to go, you know, sensing mm-hmm. the danger. Like there's a, there's a hundred other skills than just straight line speed. Yeah. The, it, all of which, you know, Cam Rising had and Tyler Huntley had, you know, uh, and it's like, does Nate Johnson have those things? I completely trust his ability to run in any capacity. What I'm more, what I assume that they are not trusting, is his ability to throw, like, be a decision maker as a quarterback. You know, mm-hmm. uh, know when to run. You know, know when to pass. Know how to, you know, progress through your uh, your options. Uh, I, I don't know how much they trust him to do that. Although I am kind of encouraged that you know he picked up on things faster than Nate, uh, than than Brandon Rose. Uh, we'll see how much of him being third among the backups in spring is to do with him being hurt and how much him being third has to do with him not progressing like we want him to. Fall camp, I think, is going to be really interesting as in that regard. But I guess my overall takeaway from the quarterback room is it'll be a little better than last year if Rising goes down, but I'm not expecting it to be good enough to keep Utah totally afloat if rising goes down. Well, in terms of the personnel, um, the only difference I can tell is that uh, the, the Juco Luke Batari has transferred out and they've gotten mm-hmm. in a mid high ish, uh, three-star freshman Mac Howard, who you haven't talked oh. about yet. <laughs> oh, what are those? What do those noises indicate? Those noises indicate me being very upset with Utah staff because there was a four-star they could have had if they hadn't taken Mac Howard. Oh boy. I have seen nothing to indicate Mac Howard has it. I, I really don't think he's good. <laughs> so when you say that the quarterback room this year should be better than last year, you just mean because those four human beings are older? Because Nate Johnson and Brandon Rose are older. Like, Brandon Rose, we didn't hear anything about him last year, you know? And uh-huh. now he's like he's clearly improved a lot. Uh, that's that's where – because, like, we, ha- we know what Bryson Barnes is. We know what Bryson Barnes sure. is. If Brandon Rose has surpassed him, then it's a little better. 
but I don't but know. But I mean, how it much sounds like this is a battle that's probably going to go to fall King in terms of like obviously Cam Rising is a starting job, but who the backup yeah. is sounds like it's a battle that's going to to fall camp and they're all sort of imperfect options, or at least as we see them right now, they all appear to be imperfect options. Like Bryson Barnes, there's obviously a ceiling. Um, you know, Rose doesn't appear to be the the scrambler that right that 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 it, it, it seems Ludwig needs uh, to be, and mm-hmm. Johnson, like it doesn't appear that they trust him to run the offense. You know, given that, uh, or at least at this point in time, you know, given that he's behind a, a, an ostensibly less talented dude who's the same age as him, um, and yet, you know, Johnson was the guy who was, uh, you know, he was the one who was playing in games last year, and Rose wasn't. Mm-hmm. I don't know, man, like each one of those dudes has something going for him and something going against him. And so, you know, this is probably going down to the wire, uh, right? Yeah, I expect it to go down to the wire. But if it's not Brandon Rose, I think it'll be Nate Johnson at this mm-hmm. point. Uh, like, I, I'd be very surprised if it's Bryson Barnes, despite the fact that Utah loves them some Bryson Barnes, just like mm. if they're already willing to say we sort of this. like sculpted in kyle whittingham's image <laughs> yeah 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 uh, kyle whittingham the fact that he said brandon rose has clearly separated himself from like the other two in spring hmm. i don't know i feel like normally he likes to foster some competition tell the media it's closer than it actually is you know he's he's one of those guys that i think likes to not be transparent whenever he cannot be transparent the fact that he said that makes me feel pretty good about it not being Brandon Rose, I mean, it not being Bryson Barnes. Uh, and the fact that Nate Johnson was injured so much during spring makes me hopeful that he can make some strides and fall and maybe make it a competition between him and Rose because he does have so much physical talent. Uh, running backs. Running backs. Oh, yes. Boy, this room is huge. They, they lose Tavian Thomas. Mm-hmm. Ricky Parks transferred out, uh, which is understandable. Yes. I'm actually a little surprised that more guys haven't transferred out because they took three freshman running backs um, who are all highly rated, you know, uh, four star borderline four stars, you know, John Randall, Dijon Stanley and uh, Michael yeah. Mitchell, you know, which is all really great sign for the future. But, I, you know, I sort of expect all of them to redshirt given how big this room is. You know, the transfer portal window is now closed. I'm really surprised that Chris Curry and Charlie Vincent didn't transfer out um, during well, that. Time. So Charlie Vincent, is he on scholarship? I don't know. You tell I, I'm, me. I'm he was like a three-star out of high sure he's a, I'm 90% sure he's a walk-on. No, uh, all right. I mean, he got 17 carries and played in 14 games last year. He was a three-star out of high school. He was playing in the spring game, although actually playing in the spring game is actually a better sign that he's a walk-on than anything else. <laughs> it was like the walk-on showcase, man. <laughs> all right. Is the moments in which he played that made me think he was a walk-on. And also, when I go to games, I sit like probably 10 rows behind his family. <laughs> and I don't know, just walk-on vibes. Yeah. It is. I mean, like, I remember when Chris Curry came in from LSU. He was a four-star from LSU. And was like, oh, boy, this guy's going to be a big part of the rotation. And he's basically done nothing for Utah mm-hmm. for all this time. I was really surprised why he's never left. But anyway, he's still on scholarship. Good for him. Uh, but let's talk about the, the series producers. Jalen Glover and uh, Makai Bernard and uh, Jaquin Jackson, who came in originally as a quarterback mm-hmm. uh, from Texas, but uh, has been converted to a, a running back. He, he runs in a sort of a funny style because he's so tall. Mm-hmm. But like... Like he just sort of like dodges tackles. He's he's really fun to watch. Yep. But yeah, you know, three great running backs and two other 
guys who are technically running backs. Yeah, I, I kind of don't have any questions about this group. You know what you're getting. Um, you know, I, I, I don't think they're going to miss Thomas. Uh-huh, I agree. Given this group and given some sort of the weird problems that Thomas um, was having last year, we don't really need to yeah. get into that. Um, I think, you know, given how like low to the ground that Glover is that they will have an adequate like, hey, we need mm-hmm. you to, you know, pick up two yards on fourth and one kind of back. You know, in other words, I, I think they have a variety of backs for different like situations. They have guys who can catch the ball out of the backfield. Actually, they really just have one, which is Bernard. It's, you know, I actually am a little surprised they haven't thrown the ball to Jackson more often. You would think as a former quarterback that he'd be they want to use him yeah. for that, but they haven't. I guess I'm I think a little it might be route that, running, but, but I guess. Huh. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> um, uh, they, they should be running Texas routes because he's from Texas. Ha ha ha. <laughs> yeah, but like I, you know, I like the diversity in this room. I like the experience in this room. That you know, they have a good yard per carry average. You know, I kind of don't have anything else to say about this room. I, I, you know, maybe we see some of the freshmen because they're just really talented. But if they don't want to play them, they don't have to. Like, yeah, good running back room. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think right now what I'm expecting is. Jaquindon Jackson, Jalen uh, Jalen Glover, and Makai Bernard to be the three who get the most production, and they'll just have different type of downs that they yeah that they play on. I think Jaquindon Jackson is going to lead the room in yards. I'll be surprised if he doesn't. The most dynamic of the three. Yeah, he's six two. You know, he's got that size, and he weighs thirty pounds more than Makai Bernard, and he weighs 20, 20 pounds more than than Jalen Glover. He's got insane athleticism, and I do think. He's improved his uh, running form a little bit over the offseason. At least that's what it sounds like. People around Utah seem to really think Jaquin and Jackson is going to be that guy this year, that he's going to break the 1,000-yard mark, which no one did at Utah last year, of course. Well, I mean, they had like four guys they were giving the ball to. It's really hard to break 1,000 yards when you're much. It's a massive room this year, so maybe it splits up again, but I really think... He he's just got so much athletic ability. Well, plus and Cam Rising running the ball like seventy-seven times. You know, like it's yeah, basically yeah. a five running back room. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's true. It's true. I think Jaquinda Jackson's going to get the bulk of the carries that aren't on the goal line. Makai Bernard will definitely lead that room in receiving. I expect. You know, each year I think he's he's gotten a little more work receiving. I think this year it'll be even even more. He's he's gonna get a lot of work receiving, especially if the portal does not go as well for receivers as Utah's hoping it will. Yeah, I'm I, I think the run game this year is going to be Utah's primary offense rather than the tight end game as it has been recently. I will make a slightly different prediction. I think that Bernard will still wind up getting the majority or the plurality of the carries. I think he's mm-hmm. a more technically proficient back in terms of traditional running back, yeah. you know, like knowing exactly which hole to hit. But that Jackson, you will be correct that Jackson will get the greater number of yards because he'll break you know, runs, you know, he'll make some safety miss and he'll run for a 60 yard run or something like that. And he'll wind up with a greater yard per carry average. But otherwise, yeah, I totally agree. Tight ends. Tight ends. So uh, losing uh, Dalton Kincaid, losing a couple other guys who uh, were not super productive, but it's just sort of interesting because like I'm shocked that uh, Andy Ludwig would let a tight end go. Uh, losing uh, Loden Kendall, losing one of the Puchitaos, Taniella. Mm-hmm. 
In fact, there are now no Pujitaos on the roster for reasons that I don't understand. Landon Morris, who I think was a transfer in from Syracuse but got no play, has now transferred mm-hmm. out. Never really understood that one. I think that's it for the departures. Uh, there was, I think, a walk-on who caught a touchdown in a spring game, I think, who also mm. left, but uh, <laughs> yeah. not important. Yeah, I think those are the guys. Kincaid, most notably, of course, going to be what they have to replace. Yeah, it should, it should be interesting. They uh, There's an adi- there's a freshman addition, C.J. Jacobson, but there's enough yes. guys ahead of him that I don't I sort of don't think that he's going to figure into it. He, I, I don't think he was available in the spring. They return Thomas Yasmin. Who, you know, to be perfectly honest, I'm still not sure what to think about. Like, I I know that his yards per reception average was very high. It was like 23.2. And at one point in the season, it was bonkers. It was like 38 yards per catch. I never really got the sense that he was on the same sort of like wavelength with rising that can, like, I never, I guess I'll put it this way. I never worried about Yasmin in the way that I worried about Keithy or Kincaid being the guy that like rising was like, uh, oh, you only need to defend this guy because he's the only guy that Rising is going to throw to. Like, I was like, mm-hmm. oh, you want to throw to Yasmin? Fine. You know, I don't care. Yeah. Whereas I care very much if you threw the ball to Kincaid or Keithy. Do you think I'm nuts for saying that? No, I mean, like, there's a very clear teardrop, I think, with Yasmin. That being said, I think he's improved a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he showed in flashes last year what he can do, like <laughs> that USC touchdown. <laughs> yeah, sure. It was very nice. He's hard to bring down. Does have some fumble issues. His hands are mm-hmm. not quite as good. I mean, no one's hands are as good as K- Kincaid's, but like, still, you'd hope those improve a little bit. But I do hope that we see his biggest improvement this year, considering he finally got some reps last year, which is something he did not have uh, previously in his time at Utah. I think he'll be a positive contributor. Obviously, it's a step back, though, because you're replacing Kincaid. Sure. Getting uh, Brant Keithy back, you know, I, I uh, he was injured four games into the season. You know, it was weird because like the, the injury, I, I watched the play in which he got hurt. It didn't really look that bad, but like torn ACLs, torn ACL, like it's yeah. just nasty. He wasn't playing in spring, but all indications is he's going to be good to go in the fall. Yeah, yeah. I haven't heard anything that says he won't. I'm, I'm expecting I'm expecting him to be back. I think Utah's expecting him to be back. Cam Rising's the one that I'm I'm less sure about being ready. Really? We, well, just it's the timing of his ACL injury yeah. versus Keithy's. You know, sure. He's the the Rose. Much. Yeah, exactly. The Rose Bowl versus, I think, a September game. Exactly. A couple years ago, they got Muneer McLean from USC. He was, I mm-hmm. think, originally a wide receiver, but he bulked up a bit to become a tight end. We haven't really seen him much, um, and he mm-hmm. wasn't playing in the spring game. I don't know that really means anything, I guess, for Utah. Like, is he ever going to come online? What do you think? I feel about Muneer McLean the same way I felt about felt about Thomas Yasmin last year, which is, I am done believing. That he- <laughs> That he's gonna play. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now I was I was wrong last year, <laughs> but I I I am not expecting anything. I would put more money on CJ Jacobson getting play than I would on Munir McLean. Well, I mean, here's the thing though: is like you know I, I have been writing for years despondently uh, and sitting in Autzen Stadium for three years, wanting to crawl into a bucket of beer. Not that they were selling at Autzen Stadium back then, you know, with all these like three tight end sets uh, with with Andy Ludwig and like I'm sitting here thinking like you know I only see two viable tight ends and one of them's hurt. Mm-hmm. 
I don't know that McLean is viable. I've I've never seen Isaac Vaha, who's the other like high three star. He's another former basketball player. Uh, Isaac oh, really? Vaha. Uh, he's yeah, big. He's I like think six six. He's huge. He was also a decently highly rated basketball recruit. Huh. But he he sort of runs like a power forward, and I mm-hmm. don't mean that as a compliment. Like he's just not <laughs> fast. <laughs> well, but he that's just... I, you could say that about everybody in this room. Miki Sukataraga, who I saw he... playing with the white team in the spring game, but like that dude looks slow as all get out. Yeah, he he I think is meant to be a, a type of he's meant to play the role Logan Logan Kendall yeah. is playing. Yeah, yeah. And then I saw two walk-ons in the spring game playing with the red offense in Noah Benny and Hayden Erickson. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's, uh, you know, I just said a moment ago, like, well, CJ Jacobson, you know, is a three-star true freshman who's coming in in the fall. And like with any other team, I'd be like, oh, no way that guy plays. But like, given how much I know that Andy Ludwig loves tight ends and like three tight end sets, and given how much like sort of the rest of this room is like question mark, question mark, walk-on, who knows, like... Yeah, maybe you're right, dude. Like, maybe CJ mm-hmm. Jacobson is like fated to be playing like the third tight end in this offense. You know, I kind of think he will be. I think at yeah. least uh, like Utah's twenty four seven side. I think they think he will be as well. Really? They they've hmm. been they've been very high on him. Throughout, but, like nobody's seen him. He's like, like he's going to prom. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's. I mean, I think they just like him as a recruit, and Utah definitely likes him a lot. Uh, also, there's just a lot of uncertainty. Utah has not quite yet hit on the transfers they want to. That being mm-hmm. said, there is a transfer out of Auburn who hasn't played a ton, but he's very big and he's pretty athletic. That Utah is going after Hart. He just had an official visit. If he comes, it's probably him who's the second or third guy. Oh, do you know his name? Yeah, so this is Landon King, Auburn. Like I said, he's pretty big. He's pretty athletic. Uh if he is and if he ends up committing, I'd expect him to play over over CJ Jacobson, him mm-hmm. to be that third guy or second guy. From what I know about Andy Ludwig, I would not be shocked at all if he's got a couple of of uh, you know spots reserved for portal tight ends that we're just going to have to you know wait and see um, during the summer to see if he picks up. And like, yeah, I wouldn't be shocked, you know, because it really, you know, even though I believe he's got currently six tight ends on scholarship right mm-hmm. now like here i'll say the most andy ludwig thing ever that's not enough for him <laughs> like, <laughs> um at least these you know g- given that keithy's health status is still not certain one of them is a f- true freshman who hasn't arrived yet and like three guys have sort of been on the roster and haven't proved anything yet yeah it it ain't it ain't enough for him I think you're absolutely right. Like a portal tight end is probably in the cards. It's just sort of like, Hey man, a lot of the offense might be going through you and it would have been nice to have him for spring. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about wide receivers. Yes. They're losing Jalen Dixon and Solomon Enos, uh, who had been with the program forever. You know, so little of the offense goes with through wide receivers. You know, I, I would like to say that those are big losses, but let's face it, they're, they're not. <laughs> they're losing two uh, walk-ons who played extensively in the spring game, Chris Reed and uh, Taekwon Gilmore. Again, I don't 
Thank you. Those are too significant. They are bringing back Devon Valley, who was their leading receiver last year. Bizarrely, you know, totally unrated out of high school and a former walk-on. I have, like, I... To this day, I have no idea how this guy was completely missed by every scouting service. He's from he's six five from San Diego and played football. Like even if he didn't play football, if you're a six five human being from San Diego, he should have been rate like I was bizarre. He's a good wide receiver. Yeah crazy he was one of the dudes you know one of maybe two dudes that cam rising was willing to throw the ball to and why you know every time i wrote an article about utah's offense i was like this is an easy offense to shut down you just have to guard vele mm-hmm. anyway I, I don't have much more to say about him other than, you know he's good it's crazy he wasn't rated um please guard him yeah he wasn't playing in the spring game i assume that was just sort of a minor injury hold out right i don't i don't even know if it was an injury so much as you don't need to do anything here. Yeah, sure. <laughs> All right. Um, well, then I guess I suppose it is interesting that Money Parks was playing in the uh, spring game. Money Parks has sort of been, if there's another receiver, it's been Money mm-hmm. Parks. But I don't even know if he's that. Um, and I think, as you were indicating earlier, you know, hey, hey there are some other guys on scholarship like Makai Cope and Sidney Bonasor, um, who were high three stars who came in, in the last couple of classes, who basically, you know, none of the offense is going through them. And, uh, you know, and instead, you know, they've been going hard at the portal, right? You know, they they brought in um, Emery Simmons from uh, from Indiana. And I think he was at UNC before that, mm-hmm. uh, who's sort of like a possession receiver for them. And uh, and then they just recently got Micah Pittman, who was at Oregon, and then he transferred to FSU last year. Actually, before I comment on Micah Pittman, um, I, I did. Uh, let me finish the thought about, you know, I, I sort of think going after portal guys and, and you had sort of, I think intimated this earlier. Oh, and they also got some true freshmen, including Mikey Matthews, um, yes. who was a four star, you know, and was playing in the spring game. I, I sort of think they're like, uh, my take is I don't really think they're very happy with parks or cope or Mbonasor and are trying to get some new blood in. Um, do you think that that is an accurate read? I think it is. Ac- they definitely want new blood. in. I don't know if it's about parks. I think they like parks fine Mm -hmm. but like he is what he is you know uh what he's not is a number one wide receiver and what utah is desperately well he's 510 you know yeah exactly he's 510 i mean that's just what it's gonna be he is kind of like what jalen dixon was for utah when he was here you know Mm -hmm. the similar type players they're pretty fast not very tall they can do a job but they are not focal points of an offense i think they like mikey matthews i bet he plays about as much as Money Parks did last year, you know, mm-hmm. something similar, depending on how sex, how successful they are in the portal. But I completely agree. They're not happy with the receiver room, evidenced by the guys who transferred out. Yeah. There was, you know, Gilmore and, and Reed specifically, they're gone. And it sounds like that was, at the very least, a mutual thing, you know, mm-hmm. them wanting playing time and <laughs> uh, Utah wanting scholarship spots at the position. Yeah. I think... Something to keep an eye on. Utah thinks, I think most people around Utah think they're going to be bringing in a guy who was, I think, a 95 overall four-star from Oklahoma when he was there. He had some legal trouble. I don't remember exactly what it was. Seems like that's sort of going to be dropped. He's going to have something figured out. Hmm. And he'll, he might be joining Utah this summer. His name's Trajan Bridges. Oh, yeah. Utah seems pretty confident they're going to be getting him. And... Hmm. Theo Howard, who was uh, who was his teammate at Oklahoma for a year, 
and of course was at Utah for a year as well. Theo Howard says that he was the best receiver in that room. So it's hmm. nice to have a guy with some some talent. Well, will Utah use that talent? Of course not. <laughs> I mean, it's an Andy Ludwig offense. I sort of have my doubts, you know. I do think that the desire to uh the desire to really go after receiver is something we haven't seen Utah do ever. Uh so I'm hoping that this this means an effort to transition to using them a little bit more than they have in the past, but I, I shouldn't get my hopes up. Micah Pittman, who, you know, I, I watched for quite some time at Oregon. I was a little interested in his career at uh, Florida State because mm-hmm. I was sort of trying to keep tabs on Mike Norvell because he was the guy who's, I think, Kenny Dillingham got a lot of his offensive yeah. inspiration from. And so I was sort of like trying to figure out Mike Norvell stuff. And so I was keeping an eye on some Florida State stuff last year and sort of through that was watching, still watching some Mike Pittman stuff. I- interesting guy, you know, 5'11", not, you know, not a huge guy, but like, but comes from some great bloodlines, right? Uh, in terms of NFL talent uh, in that family. He had, he's had a problem with his hip. He's had to have surgery for it. Uh, Femoral, uh, femoral acetabular impingement, which is a, a problem mm-hmm. you have to have surgery to correct. Um, and my understanding is that it's about a six-month recovery time, which would place him getting back in like October. I, I is he going to play? Like, does it make sense for him to take a medical redshirt this year and play next year? What do you think? So, my understanding, and I mean, I think is very shallow. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if he didn't play this year. If he does play, I'm not expecting him. I'm expecting his biggest role if he plays this year to be as a run blocker. Um, he's good hmm. at that. <laughs> so uh, that would be nice. Maybe he helps out in punt return because uh, we don't really have a defined guy for that. But I'm not I'm not expecting much rim this year coming off a of hip surgery. Hip surgeries are notoriously tough. They take yeah. a long time to get over. No, uh, that's brutal. I, I so, really think he's probably just going to take a medical red shirt and more it would make sense because yeah. if he does that, his number gets off the scholarship count and like oh. Utah might need the scholarship count that that makes a lot of sense. And the search, it was just it if the surgery had happened longer ago, maybe, but it is still pretty recent. So, yeah, yeah, I, you know. I wouldn't be surprised if they took another, you know, portal guy like the Oklahoma guy that you mentioned. I just don't like I, I have heart. I've been watching Andy Ludwig too long to think that like, uh, but this time, if I get a wide receiver, <laughs> it'll be different. You know, like I yeah. really just, you know, that and between that and like, look, it's going to be Cam Rising's offense. And I mean, as we have discussed in the past, Greg, like he really he kind of has lock on. He, he's got his guy that he wants to throw to. And like, that's kind of mm-hmm. going to be it. And if like if it's. Look, man, I I I want to be careful because I don't want to like condemn him as a single read, you know, you know, one read quarterback. But like he he wants to throw to his guy. He'll force the ball and he'll run, you know, and, and getting through like the fourth guy in the progression is like Tom Brady type of packet passer. Like, I just really don't think that's Cam Rising's game, you know, like, has mm-hmm. that ever struck you as Cam Rising's game? No, no, it's it's not. <laughs> it's not at all what he is. I've I've criticized his tunnel vision before too. Uh, you know, like I think I even said at the time in the short term, Brant Keithy's injury was a blessing in disguise for mm-hmm. Utah's offense because it forced him to pass to Kincaid more. <laughs> <laughs> his tunnel vision is a real issue, and I don't know if passing to receivers is something he'll ever do, which is one of the reasons I was kind of hoping that this would be Nate Johnson's year. Doesn't seem like it's going to be, but yeah, I don't know. Uh, The tunnel vision 
is probably one of the top five reasons I don't think Utah wins the Pac-12 this year. I'm not going to lie. Mm. We'll start with the offensive line. Yes. Losing two of the starters off of last year's line, Braden Daniels, the left tackle, and one they they went through a couple different centers due to an injury issue. But I think the dude who was you know the the starting center, Paul Miley, mm-hmm. um, they return uh, Keaton Bills, the left guard. Although I didn't see him in the spring game, um, they returned the right guard, uh, uh, Michael Mokafisi, but I did mm-hmm. see him in the right in the spring game. They return Jaron Kump, who I saw playing at right tackle, um, and uh, Sato Laumea, who I also saw playing right tackle during the season. They return Johnny Maia, um, who I saw playing backup center. I saw uh, they return uh, Kalanu'u Faoi, who I saw playing backup center and who was uh, playing a little bit in the spring game. Uh, have I got all that right? Yes, I think. Um, as as I look at the roster, that is those are the guys I remember being here last year. Backups who didn't play last year but who have departed include uh, Hunter Lutulele, mm-hmm. um, who I think was a bit of a surprise. Like I was expecting him to return, and I think that they were sort of counting on him because he's uh, he was like a fairly highly rated dude um in the 2020 class and so it was sort of like a mystery that he sort of disappeared from the roster tyler knack uh who was playing right tackle in the spring game uh transferred out like immediately after the spring game and has gotten a bunch of offers that's interesting and uh ridge harrell who was an unrated fcs guy has has left the program too any other departures that i've missed None, at at least none that I know of. You know, I would have actually expected uh, Hunter Lotulele to figure into the into the rotation here, uh, maybe by like bumping Bills over to play center and Lotulele to come in at left guard. But like, that's not an option now. Um, Who do you think replaces Miley at center? Uh, I think it's Maya probably. That would be my guess. Uh, He's he's gotten the most time there, I believe. Mm -hmm. Um. I don't know who else would be that guy. And I think the other people like the other guys with experience are more suited to different spots on the line. So it's, it's probably going to be my And then replacing Braden Daniels at left tackle. I mean, I could see a couple different options. You know, there were two different guys playing right tackle during the course of the season. Mm-hmm. There's both Jaron Kump and Laumea. Um, so like, I guess either one of those could move over to left tackle. Um, I was seeing two different guys uh, play left tackle. Um, dur- Kanak was playing right tackle in the spring game, but he's transferred out. Um, the two different left tackles I was seeing play during the spring game was uh, Falcon Kalmatale. And very interesting was the true freshman and like coup of the recruiting class, Spencer Fano. Yeah. Do you think that happens? So uh, Spencer Fano in 2024... I feel very confident he will be Utah's starting left tackle. Uh-huh. This year, I think he might need to spend a year bulking up a little bit. Yeah, uh, he's 290, which is like, yeah, maybe a little bit. He, he, yeah, he's he's got a big frame, but... Uh, you know, he's still, he, you know, he's still high school. Yeah, you know? six five two ninety is like, yeah, that's a <laughs> that, that's a little, it's a little spindly. So I don't think he's. I think it'll probably be Cumper Laumea. Laumea, I think, is better than Cump, so I'd probably rather move him to the left. But uh-huh. you just, you don't know. You know, maybe, maybe Cump is more comfortable on the left side than Laumea is. I'd be pretty surprised if it wasn't one of them, though. Okay, I mean, it's sort of. You're not rooting for injuries or anything, but there is a little bit of a blessing, you know, silver lining to it in that, you know, they played three different guys at center last year. 
So, hey, you've got two different options to replace your starting center. You know, they, yeah, yeah, yeah. They they played two different guys at right tackle. So you've hey, you've got, you know, two options to replace your departing left tackle, you know, like. And so therefore, even though you have two you know, uh, two losses, you know, from starting offensive linemen, Hey, you've got two guys who, who played extensively last year, who can plug in those holes without having to dip into dudes, um, who didn't play at all last year. You know, there is sort of a question because I I think they are probably going to lose a lot of dudes going into the 2024 season. And so maybe that affects some decisions, you know, during the 2023 season about like, Hey, maybe we need to get some of these guys, some reps, but like, Oh man, that's a, that's, you know, that's for another day. Mm. And, and like you said, you know, they, they've gotten some recruiting coups too. It's not just Fano. It's also, you know, Caleb Lomu. Yep. And then also a couple of high three stars, you know, Roger Alderman and uh, who comes in in the fall and, and also uh, Solotoa Moea, um, who, um, who yeah, I saw playing in the spring game, who's he's carrying some bad weight. Like he, he's a little heavy right now, but Hey, he's <laughs> a freshman. Like there's plenty uh-huh. of time to, to, to cut down starting starting to pick up some some pretty good look uh, offensive linemen here you know which is really like i have had some criticism for jim harding's uh, offensive line i have as well and and part of it has been like hey man how about instead of just getting a bunch of like 28 year olds who are the, the only thing you can say about them is that they're older than the defensive linemen that they're going up against like how about you get some blue chips in here and develop yeah. them and like he's okay he sort of picked up the gauntlet you know uh-huh. Like, you know, I, like, I, like Kump is a, is a high three star. Laumea is a four star. Um, and then the four for freshmen that I just mentioned. I have rarely wanted someone fired as much as I wanted Harding fired after 2019. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, in the games that they lost in 2019, it was, it was very because clear. of the offensive line. It yeah. was very, that was super clear. And I mean, I wrote in an article like in the, cause Oregon didn't play, 2019 or Utah in 2019 in the regular season it wasn't until the conference championship game and I wrote an article you know that my my preview article of Utah in that conference championship game in which I was like this this offensive line kind of stinks and I got a, so much oh my god like I, I got <laughs> so much feedback uh, about that <laughs> and then it happened I was sort of you know I did not keep the receipts and go back and and gloat but like kind of secretly i was uh (laughs) you and i are sort of on a wavelength there greg yeah but i've completely i mean i'm i've changed my mind uh all aboard the jim harding train he's doing a great (laughs) job (laughs) Um, like the recruiting has been better than i ever hoped it would be um to get fano and lomu in the same class phenomenal uh the line they have right now very good like i cannot believe how well it's going yeah well it's a slow process is, is the thing with the offensive line and mm-hmm. it's not built by just a couple of dudes too you know this needs to be sustained and, and yeah it needs to be more than just a couple of guys but like you know i i definitely like the way this is going more than like keaton bills you know eight four two two you know john johnny may you know 85 you know 100 you know etc 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 like that's you know if you want to start beating the ohio states and penn states and so forth when you're playing in games like this like yeah that's what you need to do man like you need to start getting those those guys Mm -hmm. 
All right, let's switch over and talk about the defense. So this was, you know, the defensive line. This was interesting because, you know, they're bringing back everybody on the defensive line. I mean, basically mm-hmm. everybody who played substantial reps last year, both defensive tackle and defensive end is returning to the team. And so really I have no questions, except I didn't see a single one of them during the spring game, uh, like <laughs> not a one, like, you know, every single guy I was expecting to see instead did not play. And every guy, and, and, and not only that, but the guys who I were seeing was like the walk-on show. And so uh, what, what's up with that? I have no idea why they didn't play the spring game. Doesn't really make a ton of sense to me. I think mm-hmm. you maybe get, you play them a little bit, but not yeah, that's concerned. usually what teams do. They're like they trot them out. They they yeah. show the colors. They're like you know they they say hi to everybody. You know they play one series. You know and then they you know they go get Gatorade and they chill out and then they let the other guys play. They don't have them just like disappear. <laughs> Utah's spring game strategy each year it's like less and less of the of the guys play, yeah. uh, which is funny. But I do think that. The D line has improved this year. Uh, I mean, uh, at least the, it's a position where the the older and bigger and more experienced you are, generally the better you play. And yeah, those, so sure, why They're not? Older and experienced, and then there was the addition of Spencer Fano's brother, Logan Fano, uh, who is he a defensive was, end. Right, he was hurt at BYU in 2022. Yeah, so he, but he just didn't play for them. But he was a four star, I think. Yeah, but I didn't see him in the spring game. Is he going to be good to go? I think he got hurt at the beginning of their season, so uh-huh. I would expect him to play when when the season comes. Fillinger, I'm hoping has changed. Like, I don't know. I hope he gets more back to what he was. As years are so hard to remember what he was he, in 21. He came in in 2020. In yeah, he came in yeah. in 2020. Didn't play that much. He was a four star. He yeah. in 2021 he was he wreaked some havoc. But then in in last year he was yeah, he was sort of the third guy of the defensive ends. Like that was really it was interestingly it was really much more Connor O'Toole who I think like originally came as a wide receiver. Like it's kind of, like that guy's. Uh, progression has been weird. Yeah, um, but he's good. It's just so funny. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, like, I, honestly, I don't think that these defensive, like these, I, I don't think there's a Bradley and I in no, this. No, I agree. I unit. agree. You know, like, I, I'm not terrified of this defensive end group the way that I was, like, terrified of the 2019 mm-hmm. defense, but, like, I don't think they're bad. I do, I would be a little worried about injuries, though, to be perfectly honest. Like, it's kind of a small group of playable guys. Yeah, but here's the thing. It was last year, too. <laughs> well, but they did get hurt, which, like, you know, it's a it's not a problem until it is a problem, you know? But like the big way that I see it improving here is in run defense. Uh, they sucked at it last year. Mm. Um, and everyone's older, which sure. hopefully means they're stronger, better in run defense. There are a couple more guys. Uh, I'm hoping Chase Kennedy plays this year. I really like him. Uh yeah, we saw him in the spring game, but the, he's young. He's a, a redshirt he's freshman. He's a redshirt freshman, yeah. There's Keo Akana, another redshirt mm-hmm. freshman. Yeah, but, we saw him too. you know, I'm expecting mostly it to be a rotation of Fillinger, O'Toole, Ellis, and Fano. Yeah. That would be that would be my instinct. Yeah, that's probably right. You know what's funny in the spring game is that they, they got a true freshman four-star named Hunter Clegg, um, although he doesn't join into the fall. Mm-hmm. They, his older brother, Spencer, is a walk-on redshirt freshman who yeah. is 
who is on the official roster, a linebacker, uh, his Jersey number is 45, but they had him playing defensive end in the spring game. And so here I'm seeing, you know, a defensive end well, named so Clegg in the spring <laughs> game. And I'm like, well, did they get him early? It's like, Oh no, no, that's his older brother. Uh, it's, it's, it must be embarrassing to be the older brother, but he's the walk on who has to pay. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's gotta be tough. I think Hunter Clegg is a mission kid as well. Ah, uh. So I don't know that Utah will have him this year. Okay. Oh, oh, is he not going to come in until a couple of years from down the road I then? I think so. I think, I yeah, see. I think he's not going right. to be here for two years. All right. Okay. Well, I'll keep my eye on that. Then. Uh, I didn't see that in the two. I don't know that profile. for sure. I don't know that All for right. sure. But I, in my head, him and Walker Lyons. Well, he's, I mean, he's not officially listed on the roster. He wouldn't be until fall. So I'll have to check that in yeah. you know, fall. Okay. Thank you for telling me that. I'll, I'll keep my eye on it. Defensive tackles. Mm. Losing two Pututaus. Again, a tragedy. I think Although I they... remember what happened to the Pututaus now. Oh, really? At least one of them. I think, uh, was it Taniella? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I believe Taniella or Tennessee, one of the two had a business opportunity that they business. couldn't turn down. And that is that is why they're no longer playing football. That was the same reason that was given for Manny Bowen's departure from the program in 2019, hmm. which ultimately paved the way for Devin Lloyd to make a name for himself. Interesting. Uh, yeah. Hoping a similar thing happens here. <laughs> mm. Oh, yeah. No, that's definitely how history works. Losing Devin Kafusi, who is he's one of the... <laughs> yeah, I know. He's one of those BYU guys who comes in. You know, it's weird. He played in like every game, but like barely got any tackles. Anyway, yeah, you're right. You know, the, the four primary guys who all played last year are all coming back. Tafuna, Vamahi, uh, Tanavasa, Keanu Tanavasa. There's actually like three Tanavasas. Um, and then Samoti Peppa, who is like, Peppa's the one I remember was talking about last year. Because My like he's, he's so <laughs> much bigger than everybody else and better. Like he's just way better. And yet the, the team like would refuse to play him. It was so weird. I think but, he was like, too big at the beginning of the year. He just had mm. zero stamina. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Oh, he just run out of juice, huh? Like he's he's listed at three thirty now. I think I remember seeing something about him losing like sixty pounds. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, kind of the structure of Utah's defense. I wouldn't mind just like putting him in like as, as a sumo wrestler. Just like, well, you can't move me. I am a big fan of just put your big boys at tackle. Yeah. <laughs> But I don't know. I kind of don't have any questions here. You know, like you're right that they were not fantastic against the run last year. In fact, it was sort of that's another one that I, you know, I published and people were like, you can't possibly be right about this. And yet, you know, I chart the games and you don't. So <laughs> you're gainsaying me here. But they were only um 47 percent uh, effective against the run, uh, given the uh, the down and distance, you know, meaning, you know, the the opponent would succeed on 53 percent of their run plays. Here's the th here's actually the split that's that's really uh interesting um they were fairly effective on first down but where they were just tragically ineffective was mm -hmm. um second and short third and short if you got utah into second and short and third and short you could run the the ball and you were always going to pick up the conversion um like you, you like they were fairly good at stopping you from from like it, it like it, if it was if it was second and two you were going to get two yards but you were only going to get two yards like you weren't going to get any more than that and like run to the end zone or anything but you were mm -hmm. definitely going to get a first down 
but you were going to get a first down and you were going to stay on the field and, you know, open up the rest of your options. And frankly, that does come down to the, the defensive tackles, you know, like, you know, because like, these are the guys that you attack, um, or, does it does it come down to the defensive tackles or does it come down to the linebackers like i i kind of i found myself kind of disliking the linebackers more than i found myself disliking the defensive tackles like what do you think about that question i think it comes down to two things okay i think the defensive tackles were a little small and a little tired last year Mm -hmm. (laughs) there's a small rotation that was going on that's true it's a lot of weight you're carrying around uh you know Easy to get tired in that spot. Uh, yeah. Also, well, I mean, that's not improving. I think it's improving a little bit. I think Peppa's going to play a lot more this year. They've got another okay. guy. Or you're in. right. In that sense, that will probably improve. It, like it, it was going from like a three and a half man rotation. If you think of Peppa mm-hmm. as half a man, which is hard to do because <laughs> it's more <laughs> like a man and a half. But yeah. like, yeah, he was only playing. He was playing fewer reps than everybody else. Everybody else had to play more because he was playing less. And now if what you're saying is accurate, you know, that he's like m- at a more uh, like health, uh, a more health playable way. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I wasn't trying to imply that he was, you know, unhealthy. No, I get it. But like that, that if he's got more juice and he uh-huh. can play more often, that sort of like takes a little bit of a load away from the other guys. Yeah, I could see that. Okay, fine. Also, but like I've it's still going to be the about, same four guys, right? I've heard a little bit about Tavita Fotu, who is okay. I believe a cousin to Lucky Fotu. Hmm. Uh, coming in and playing some he looks a little light on the roster at 283 uh-huh. um but i I've, I've heard about him apparently he's pretty talented like uh, just uh, i guess he looks athletic i don't expect him to play a ton but he might be able to play in spurts which would be good but you know i like vimahi i like uh i like tanavasa i like tafuna and i like peppa so i think it'll be better in that case and also as you mentioned with the linebackers last year Diabate's gone, and um, I oh, don't wait. think he was good in run defense. Before we talk about the linebackers, there is one other guy that I wanted to ask you about, which is uh, a, a tackle that I wanted to ask you about, which is uh, uh, Taka Lautaha. Uh-huh. I think he missed the 2022 season for some reason, but I noticed him playing in the spring game. He was wearing jersey number 90, which is Devin Kafusi's number. And I was like, wait a minute, is he back? No, that's a different dude. Wait, you know, hold on. That was the guy who missed last year. Is he back with the team? Is that for real? I I have no idea. I've huh. I've heard so little about him. <laughs> okay. Because like what I just said a second ago, like the the depth situation is not uh, getting any better. Like well, maybe it is, you know, maybe maybe yeah, they'll be yeah. able to the confidence is like the, the vibe around the program seems to be they're not worried about it that much. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Like I, I definitely did notice some some fatigue issues, you know. Mm-hmm. The, and I think that you're right. Like I, I definitely think the defensive tackles, you know, like they 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 probably could have used a little more rotation. And you know that was a you know they 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 had four human beings that were viable to play. And then you know the other three who got some reps last year, who were Devin Kafusi, Tennessee Putatau, and Fu Putatau. Each of those guys have two tackles. You know, like they just uh-huh. like it wasn't really a six or seven man rotation. It was yeah. a four man rotation. And even that fourth man, Tanavasa, like he only played in four games. So and and then, you know, what we already talked about with Peppa, where he wasn't really in that much like. So, yeah, you know, it was really Tafuna and Vamahi who were carrying most of the load. So, like, yeah, if they get some some more help, I could definitely see that helping. 
um, yeah. All right. Now let's dump on the linebackers. Uh, yes. So Diabate <laughs> didn't really work out, right? Like we were all disappointed in him. Uh-huh. He was like a, a high four star or mid-ish four star who came in from Florida. You know, all the trumpets sounded. We were all super excited about him. And then like, <laughs> right. That, that was our reaction to him. He had his moments, but like there were other moments where he just like would go renegade and (laughs) and like he'd be like i have diagnosed what the offense is going to do and he'd just be really wrong and then it would Mm -hmm. be a 20 yard run up the middle for the offense Mm. uh yeah i yes i know exactly (laughs) what you're talking about in fact i've got a couple of clips of those in my article and i previewed utah last year (laughs) yeah let's see other departures include a gabe reed who came in to play with his brother from stanford although it was uh, kind of weird because he's like he an was outside linebacker an last year yeah, yeah i know those weird it's because he was like he's an olb in a 3-4 system who came in uh-huh. to this one i was like i don't understand why you came in to do that but he still wound up getting a bunch of tackles because i, I didn't <laughs> i mean i think yeah i i do think he's a good player he's certainly a very experienced player because i think he started playing football in 2015 um but I really think that it was sort of like his experience and talent sort of carried the day more than like his body fit was. Not, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, I'm sort of like, I was kind of down on this unit, frankly. Um, Andrew Mata'afa transferred out. Lalani mm-hmm. Longi, who transferred in from Wazoo, has uh, transferred out. He didn't play much. Ethan Calvert, um, who was, you know, four-star yeah. in 2021. what happened there, yeah. Yeah. Hey, look, the Calvert family, I, I've been trying to tell anybody who'd listen. Washington didn't listen to me. UCLA didn't listen to me. And, and, <laughs> it, it worked and, out for uh, UCLA. Uh, no, Will Calvert's been good for them. No, he isn't. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> I no, he's not. Uh, and Mason Tufaga, but, Mason Tufaga but, has transferred out. He was another four star. This is sort of the yeah. other. This is a position, frankly. I sort of think the um, what's his name? The new guy. He came from Weber State to replace. So uh, I'm blanking on the the linebacker coach's name. Um, oh, uh, no, you, uh, the, 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 I know who his name, I know who he is and I'm a big fan of him, but I can't remember for some reason. He, he brought uh, in Swan, I, he brought in a lot of new guys and there was a lot of like, Hey dude, this guy can recruit. And I've sort of been disappointed with pretty much everybody who's gotten his fingerprints on. I don't know, man. I, you know, frankly, you know, Tufaga, Calvert, Longi, Calvert, to be fair, had a like really bad injury. I think that was the big thing with him. Like there was worry it was ca- a career ender. Oh really? I, yeah, I, that's, hmm, that's that's why he I think ended up transferring out. Uh, <laughs> yeah, this, this is not great. He, I mean, he's gonna play like he's. I think he's going to the same place as Washington transfer Sam Heward. Mm, oh, Cal Poly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what a thriller um <laughs> his brother uh josh calvert is still on the team he transferred yeah. in from washington he was playing in the spring game uh uh he didn't play at all last year that's another four star um I, I think you can intuit what i think of uh his potential yeah yeah i don't expect him to do much uh, let's see. The two guys who remain on the team from last year and who got a lot of play were Kareen Reed, Gabe's brother, and Lander Barton, who's another four-star. He was a true freshman last year. I'll cut him some slack because he was a true freshman sort of thrown in the fire last year. But like, I, I think I like I, I need to cut him some slack. You know, like he didn't grade out that well on my tally sheet. Uh, Greg, what's your opinion on Lander Barton? I am a big fan of Lander Barton. Uh, I think that he acquitted himself very well as a true freshman 
who was also <laughs> who played a lot next to Diabate. Um, yeah. And Diabate is just not going to make his other linebacker friends look good when he's going out there <laughs> <laughs> and just making the weirdest decisions you've ever seen. Uh, yeah, I like him a lot. I think he should improve a lot. He's very talented. Okay. Um, of course, I think he was the, the Pac-12 defensive freshman of the year. Hmm. Not that that means anything, but like... <laughs> I thought he had a good season for a freshman. I'm, I mean, I'll buy, like I said, he was a true freshman, you know, and very talented. And, you know, nobody improves as much as between your freshman and your sophomore year. So, like, sure. I'm just saying that the track record for the, the linebackers coach here with, you know, well, highly rated guys has been not great. Yeah, it hasn't been great, but Devin Lloyd, sure. I think, was one of his guys. He did very well here. He was a safety. Uh, well, yeah, but I mean, like he became a linebacker very quickly, you know, like 20 from 2019, sure. Devin Lloyd got consistently better. Karene Reed, I think is a solid player as well. And then there's Medlock who I expect to play a lot this year. And then he the was another 2022, right? Yeah. He was the same class as Barton and reportedly Utah loved him. Uh, you mentioned Chambliss uh, is the true freshman. That's he's like a you know high three star. Um, yeah. he can't. He was an early enrollee. Um, I didn't get a chance to see him in the spring game. I don't believe. Yeah. Um, and you think he'll play, or he'll be in I, part of the rotation? I think that it will be. Oh wait, but I'm forgetting something. I take it back. I actually don't think he'll play very much because in the summer, Sionu Fotu should be coming back from his mission forgot about that uh i had forgotten about it too yeah he played in 2020 he left on his mission around the same time as nate ritchie uh hmm. also hey man what if one of the strong safeties we have he moves to linebacker but i i think sioni fotu i i liked him a lot in 2020 i would not be surprised if he got a lot of run that and is that the main four who play are barton reed medlock and fotu that is, I would not have guessed that. They took a transfer from Stanford, Lavani Damuni. Um, oh, I I've forgot been, about him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, hope, as well, you might. Too, I've been yeah. charting. You should. <laughs> I've been charting that dude for a long oh, okay. time. He's terrible. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, or he was terrible at Stanford. I don't know. That Which may not I guess is saying they did. It is hard to be good, good on that defense. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, I mean, it, it it's a big room of guys that have some experience. Um, uh, I'm just sort of like, yeah, I mean, last year's record you, was not encouraging and, and, mm -hmm. and not because they lacked talent. You know, uh, I, I'm, I'm sort of down on the room. Um, but as you say, you know, uh, young too. Um, you know, Bart, Barton was young. Medlock was young. Fotu I hadn't considered, but now I am remembering him departing at the same time as Richie now. Uh, thank you mm -hmm. for reminding me of that. That is an interesting possibility. Um, I don't think much of, uh, well, either Calvert, but the Josh you know, is still yeah, on the I, team. Yeah, I expect nothing. Um, Chambliss is an interesting possibility too. Um, yeah, this will be interesting. I mean, I definitely think this one's coming down to the wire in the fall fall camp too. Like, I don't think this sure. one's settled in the spring. I mean, I think the starters are settled, assuming Utah plays a four two five. Uh, yeah, well, like mean, it'll be Barton and Reed. Wait, lock hold it on. In. What's this assuming? I, they haven't changed their structure in fifteen <laughs> years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like it would it would be a shock if it wasn't that. Yeah. Okay. 
Um, well, it's just funny. We started out talking about like, oh, Utah isn't losing anything. This is exactly the same team as last year. Well, but now we've gotten to the parts of the team where they really are different. You know, like this, yeah. I fully expect this linebacker room to be very different. Um, mm-hmm. And and to be honest, it needs to be. And I think you could probably see something similar of the uh, defensive back room as well. You know, they're they're losing far and away their best player, Clark Phillips, yes. who I think was you could make an argument was the best cornerback in the Pac-12. Yeah, I think he was. They uh, they're also losing your favorite player, um, Malone Mataele. <laughs> oh, I forgot about that. Thank you. <laughs> uh, let's see. Um, actually, uh, a lot of departures um, in this room. Uh, let's see. I'll just in no particular order, I guess. Kane Savage uh, transferred out. Um, mm. Elisha Lloyd has retired to run track, which is interesting. Yes. A bunch of the dudes that I saw in the spring game immediately left the team. So uh, uh, Tuloi uh, Nawahine was playing cornerback. He's off of the roster. See, Brock uh, Nawatsky uh, was playing free safety with the red team. He's off the roster. Male Tanavasa was playing boundary safety with the red team. He's off the roster. Jaden Pearson, who's a Juco, has transferred out. Clayton Isbell, who's playing a little bit. He had transferred in earlier from an FCS program. He uh, he played like 14 games last year. Yeah, he's transferred out rj hubert who i think was the leading tackler or second leading tackler uh, don't let the tackles fool you i uh, yeah i know <laughs> man like clark clark phillips barely had any tackles but that's because he was a lockdown cornerback and who was going to throw against him yeah you know i'm i'm well aware yeah i i i i i had some issues well and then you know meanwhile cole bishop you know, has oh. a ton of, of uh, he's returning. He had a yes. ton of tackles, but that's because in the structure of the tackle. Yeah. yeah, exactly. He's, he's basically a box safety. You know, he might as well be a linebacker on a lot of plays. And then his backup, Sione Vaca, Vaki, um, uh. sort of like plays, all, you know, the, the same role. He's really good too. Um, yes. Like, uh, that, Strong that's safety. A, is, I know, man. Loaded at Utah. <laughs> yeah, that's a hell of a one-two punch. Actually, I was actually, to be perfectly honest, I was a little surprised. Vaki could have gotten some some money you know like he yeah. should have transferred out and, and tried to get paid um because he's got a lot of eligibility left he came he was playing as a true freshman last year uh-huh. like he probably there are a lot of programs who could have used his services and he probably could have gotten some money um i was a little surprised at his loyalty to the program um or not surprised but like good yeah, for him yeah, or i don't know what i'm trying to yeah, say he's mean. good he was and he was good as a true freshman so like yeah um uh, and y- you raised an interesting point because that um, position is the position that Nate Ritchie played when he was a it true is. freshman in 2020. He went on an LDS mission, has been gone for the last two years, and now comes back. And so now they've got a jam of three different dudes. How do you think they're going to solve that? Well, it is interesting because I think all three of those dudes who went like have just been extremely impressive every time they've played. Like sure. Nate Ritchie was great as a freshman. Mm-hmm. Cole Bishop has been great the entire time he's been here. And Vaki was really good last year. Mm-hmm. Uh it's 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 tough. Uh Bishop, I think, is the best of them. Uh I think he he's probably certainly keeps... the most experienced. Yes. I think he'll keep the strong safety spot as his when now, you say strong safety, you mean their box safety position? Yeah, 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 yeah. I just 
think of in general strong and free safety you know yeah, yeah, yeah. And maybe that's not exactly what it is i've been <laughs> that that's fine i've been differentiating by calling it, it, it the the box safety the boundary safety who's the yeah. other deep safety and then the, the 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 field or free safety but that that's fine i i just want to make sure that we're talking about the same positions okay yes and then at the other safety spot big question mark for utah with hubert yeah. leaving is yeah. bell who is the guy who it was expected to take that spot also transferred out. Right. Uh, which was baffling. Um, he ended up at coastal Carolina. No yeah. idea why he did that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, uh, it, it, Cause it's question. funny. It's like they have three different safeties that I really like, but they all played the same position, you uh, know? And so I I'm think, like, well, what do they, do they split them up? Cause that could be a viable solution. I think that is what the solution is going to be. Cause Bishop and Vaki played on the field at the same time. A mm-hmm. decent amount last year. I think Vaki played nickel sometimes, mm-hmm. or maybe not nickel, but like a he covered tight ends. Maybe I don't know. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm trying to remember. It feels like he played in the space on the field that a nickel normally plays. Uh, Richie, I think, could probably slide into that you know free safety role. Wouldn't be surprised. I could, I could see them all playing on the same field on the same field at the same time. Uh, this upcoming year with how uncertain the, the other safety spot is. And the, the spring uh, game didn't give us any clues because none of the guys that we've mentioned, you know, yeah. played all of the guys <laughs> that instead played, you know, were gone. They had uh, a true freshman playing boundary safety, Jonathan Hall, uh, a couple of guys, you know, departed. They had, uh, here were the guys who were playing. They had a, a, a guy named Preston, a walk on named Preston Vuig, uh, who was playing with the wrong Jersey number and they misspelled his name uh, on his Jersey. <laughs> and way to go, Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> um, they had, uh, uh, playing that, that, uh, that, that nickel box safety position. The other one for, for the white team was a guy named, uh, Helleman, uh, uh, Fenagoue, who is listed as a defensive end. They had playing nickel back <laughs> and then a, a D three transfer, uh, named COC, um, who's listed as a linebacker. They had playing uh nickel back. Uh, and so it's like, yeah, they gave us like no clues, like as to how they're going to sort out, you know, this problem in this pro- If you can, if you can't tell listener, I was a little frustrated watching the spring game trying to pick up clues uh because like Kyle Whittingham <laughs> was like not giving them to me i i really don't know how they solved this problem um and, oh and here's another thing that was weird uh darian blue stewart um uh-huh. who should be a safety was playing cornerback um uh in the spring <laughs> game so like i don't know man i re- i really don't know how they solved this like even though they have three dudes at safety who i really really like bishop and vaki and richie yeah, I think for me, most likely outcome is all three of them are on the field at the same time. They just have different roles, like yeah. Richie, more free safety type, Bishop, more strong yeah. safety type, and uh, Vaki playing closer to the line. Yeah, and then the question is like whether or not they can actually do that because like I kind of don't, you know, like yeah. well, v- Vaki's still playing the role that he used to play. Yeah, sure. if Vaki does what and he does, like, I think he can. Richie's the one that I'm less sure on. Yeah, uh, whether he can do that. Yeah, and like being away from the game for two ge- for for two yeah, years. That's, you that's know, the I biggest guess. reason sure of it is just because like and, not and only are you coming of, back, but you're changing. But then like and then even ha- you know even though I just finished saying boy I sure like these guys like here's the thing though besides uh, Bishop Vaki and Richie boy it's a small room because the only other scholarship guys are Bryson Reeves yeah. who I 
you know, we saw very little of last year. I didn't see in the spring game. Darian Blue Stewart, who I didn't see at all uh, last year and was playing cornerback in the spring game. Uh, the rest of the room are, uh, who are currently on the team are walk-ons. Um, two true freshmen, one of whom I saw in the spring game, Paul, who I mentioned, and the other doesn't arrive uh, until the fall. And then that's it, man. It's like their, their depth. It's like three guys that I really like, a bunch of guys who I've never seen and who are walk-ons. Um, and, and, and it's sort of, sort of like, this is room is real screwball. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm, that's the spot on the entire team. I'm most worried about is the safeties. Cause it's, I mean, it's like, yeah. there's yeah, exactly. It's like three dudes who I really love, but there's, there's a scenario in which this doesn't work out because uh-huh. they don't know how to play the other kind of safety position. Like that's yep. a, you know, that, that is a, re- I'm not trying to like make up problems here. Like I swear, like no, that is no, a, yeah, that I is a real, yeah. that is a real possibility, which like, w- boy, it would have been nice to see in the spring game, you know, to test out if that were a thing, but like, Ooh, Kyle didn't want to do it. All right. Cornerbacks. Um, uh, you know, that's another one where I'm sort of like, I- I'm not certain about this because so they brought in the, uh, like I said, uh, losing Clark Phillips. That's a big, yes. you know, that's a big deal. Losing Mata LA, not a big deal. <laughs> um, <laughs> they bring back uh, Jatravius Broughton, um, who's fine, I guess. It's sort of difficult to evaluate because when you have a cornerback who's as good as Phillips, all mm-hmm. the throws are going to go against Broughton. So, like, I don't actually think he's as bad as he looked. It's just like, when, you know, it's not only you have that effect that I just mentioned, but you're going against you know, quarterbacks in this league, you yeah. know, <laughs> like, so I don't actually think that Broughton is that bad, but like he sure got picked on a lot. Um, the, the question is the other guy. Um, Zamaya Vaughn um, is a former walk on. Uh, uh-huh. I, I do actually think he's that bad. <laughs> really? But, I, I, I was, I guess my standard for him was so low just because when he first I started suppose. playing in 21 was, yeah. uh, it was when just cornerbacks were dropping. He, he like kind of got forced. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he, he got sort of forced in action. I guess I can, I understand that reaction. Um, so but like always, he just, I've always liked him, but yeah, he's, he's definitely not close to the level that I would like, but there's just know. so little experience in the rest of the room, you know, like Fabian Marks basically hasn't played Tao Johnson and Elijah Davis and Jocelyn Malaska are all redshirt freshmen who didn't play last year. Yeah. And um, Tao Johnson, he was a, he was a, a receiver last year so oh he was okay well oh, yeah wow. so i mean he was like in he played both ways in high school you know receiver okay. and corner i think utah recruited him primarily as a receiver and then moved him to corner kenzel lawler uh came in 2020 i don't think i've seen him they brought in two true freshmen who are highly rated you know cj yes. walker and smith snowden i and like i would actually you know given the rest of this room I would actually put pretty high odds on those guys breaking into the rotation, but they didn't come in in the spring. You know, those are mm-hmm. fall enrollees. So like, we'll have to see, you know, how that goes. And then the, the, to me, the wild card is miles battle, um, mm-hmm. who is the transfer who came in from old miss. He was a low four star, um, in the 2018 class. Um, you know, so he's a senior, he's been around for a long time, but he was a wide receiver for most of that time. He, he only converted to being cornerback fairly late. And then, I didn't understand what I was seeing out of him in the spring game, but like, I don't really understand that, you know, anything out of the spring. Like he was 
not good in the spring game, but like who the hell knows what the spring game, what that means. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, so like, I, and I don't know under, I don't understand where he is on the totem pole right now, like or in the, in the pecking order, uh, you know? So like this really, the cornerback room feels like the departure of Phillips, you know, means that it's really up in the air. And the fact that sort of, in my opinion, the best looking guys are guys who don't show up until the fall means that like, I am not confident putting down a marker about how this gets sorted out until pretty late into fall camp is my opinion. What's your opinion, Greg? Um, so it seems like Utah's very high on miles battle. Uh, Oh, okay. He will be playing a lot would be my instinct. Zamaya Vaughn, I think Utah's likes him too, just because you know. I don't know. I think they trust well, him he's because tall. yeah, he, and he's tall. Utah, which most yeah. of them is not. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I would not be surprised at all to see the two freshmen, specifically CJ Blocker, because I think he's a little taller, um, play this year. Uh, even though they're coming in at fall, I don't think this is going to be a particularly good DB room as like. The past like five years, Utah's DBs have just been really good. Uh, you know, you had that group that got drafted after 2019, where yeah. all all basically all of them got drafted, and then you had the Clark Phillips era after that. Mm-hmm. I don't think this is going to be as good as either of those because you don't have that guy at the top. Yeah, in this year, but I also think it it'll be all right. Like I don't, I'm not, I'm not terrified. Well, they have so many. They have so many options at corner cornerback uh-huh. that yeah. like it's hard to believe that th- it's a total whiff. Um, but like I just don't know how to peg it is is what yep. I'm saying. It's just like yeah. I really it like I feel like if I made some guesses right now, like I, I like what it will wind up being the, those guesses will be totally wrong. And then the safety room, like I said, you know, it's I, I like the dudes in it, but like I feel like it's a, such a weirdly small room that like they're betting. I would have to think they're betting on guys playing positions that they haven't played before and that that'll be OK, which if it is, it'll be great. Because yeah. those guys are really good, but if it's not, it could be really bad. Yeah, which is something again we won't know until the fall. So, like, there's a scenario for this room that's great, and there's a scenario for this room that's not great, and like we're, we're just not going to know. Which for a team that we started talking out about, that, that was like, boy, everything about this team is identical to the team that you know won the Pac-12 for the last two years, and so therefore, you know, like this will be identical results. You know, we sure finished up on saying <laughs> like, uh, and then the secondary is like, what? I <laughs> uh, yeah, and this is one where Sharif Shah is. Oh, yeah a position coach who I trust tremendously uh, more than any other coach on the staff to just have his guys good. Um, I trust him that when he touches a guy, that guy will get better. Uh, And so I'm, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic, but I'm not like my optimism is that it won't be a disaster. Not that it will be an elite unit killer group in 2019. Yeah. I, I hope that maybe in a few years, we get to a point where it is a very, you know, it is one of the best in the conference again, but you know, I, I don't think we're there yet. It, it is, it is curious, you know, as far as I can tell, they've only taken four um, freshmen, you know, blocker Snowden, Funamoana and hall. 
Um, oh, Fonawana, he might he might contend for a safety spot. <laughs> oh, that's an, that's interesting. Uh, that's I, I mean he's a he's a fall and roll lease. So that's another one that, you know. To keep but, an I mean, eye it's on. just it's such a wild card that like yeah, I I, I would say like, I expect it, but like hey maybe. It's a you know it's a room that in a couple of years is going to need to get rebuilt. Um, yeah. and like I agree with you about uh Trey Shaw. Like I, I think he's a really good coach, but like you know this is one where you know we were talking about like New Utah you know, mm-hmm. where it's like starting to get blue chips and start and like, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's highly rated, you know, like I'm you know, it's, it's nothing but, you know, four stars and high three stars, whereas, you know, other parts of the team, you know, it's not that, uh, mm-hmm. you know, so, so like, I, I like the caliber of recruits that they're bringing in, but like, it, it's not like USC where, where it's just like, we have 12 five stars at defensive yep. back, you know, like they're making bets on very specific dudes. Um, and, you know, you know, it, it ain't going to be till fall um, that we, you know, the last year's guys like Johnson and Davis and Malaska. Um, and, and, uh, and it ain't going to be um, till, you know, probably next year for some of these 2023 recruits. So like, you know, they're, they're very specific bets and we're, we're going to have to wait on it, you know, panning out. But like, I agree with you, you know, we're probably not looking at the second coming of 2019, you know, we're probably looking at, you know, hold the line uh, for yeah. the secondary, um, which, you know, given how pass happy the, the PAC 12 is and some of the like lethal passing offenses, and unfortunate timing. In the Pac-12. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Well, it's always a good time have greg of no truck stops podcast on the quack 12 uh once again follow greg at banana morphs b-a-n-a-n-a morphs on twitter greg it, it really is nice talking to you and i've said it before on this episode but i really do enjoy the podcast and the uh, chaotic energy you guys bring to it <laughs> <laughs> Especially the uh, the handling of Carlos always cracks me up. <laughs> Hot take, Carlos. <laughs> Love the guy. Um, and Hithliday, uh, once again, thanks for bringing your knowledge of these rosters into the podcast as well. Uh, I'm sure we got plenty more work to do coming up here, but uh, uh, thanks for hopping on. Oh, my pleasure. And Greg's uh, great talking to you as always. Yes, yeah, great talking to you all. This was a lot of fun as always. Uh, excited for the season. <laughs> I mean, too. Absolutely. Go Ducks, go Utes, and uh, yeah, see y'all next week. Quack, quack.